Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. We have more in common than divides us. In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Nuanced Life. We are so happy to be with you, to be commemorating moments big and large and uncertain times to be answering your questions and just to be gathering around our virtual community as we face whatever comes our way together. And we want to start today by talking about what's coming our way and the different ways you all are facing it. We have what really came in as a commemoration from Jessica that I think speaks to the kinds of decisions that people are being forced to make All over the world right now, Jessica works at the U.S. Embassy in Mexico City, and she says with the global pandemic, the State Department has authorized diplomats to return home if they need to. Our operations here are moved to telework to the extent possible, and my office has just moved to 100 percent telework. I have friends who've chosen to return to the United States for a variety of reasons and friends who have chosen to stay, and I have agonized over which decision was right for me. There are good reasons for each choice, and I was really struggling. After consultation with my doctor, my family, and my boss, I have decided to shelter in place here in Mexico. I just want to commemorate making that decision. I can't know if it was right until we come out the other side of this crisis, but making it ended that one worry and allowed me to plan for the here and now rather than for the what-ifs of two possibilities. My heart and mind are calmer for having made the decision. Now on to more telework and social distance. Stay healthy and sane and thoughtful and kind. Jessica is facing with a lot of grace what we're all facing, which there are lots of choices available to us when we are dealing with social distancing. I mean, honestly, just the the choice every day to continue to do what is advised because we don't live in China and we're not under lockdown. And so everybody's choosing every day making difficult decisions with not a lot of information, sometimes conflicting information, not knowing if it's the right decision now, and really, honestly, maybe never knowing if it's the right, if it was the right decision. So I think that being able to say, to just face that there was conflicting choices, I chose, and I'm going to just rest in that for a minute, is really wise. I share Jessica's sense of the relief of a decision made, even if you don't know and can't know if it's the right decision. Maybe a right decision is not available. It's just the best decision under the circumstances or the one you made under the circumstances. But I always feel that sense of relief. For me, I will feel better when Kentucky announces that they're not going back to school this year. Because having that hanging out, even though it's not my decision to make, I can do absolutely nothing about it. Knowing that the decision itself is out there, creating some uncertainty for students and teachers and administrators and our governor, it just bugs me. I just want him to say, we're not going to do it. 
you know, because I, I, I do like, okay, now I can rest in this is, this is what it's going to be. And I can make a plan for that. And then we'll see how the summer unfolds. Something about that marker would help me. So I really resonated with that part of Jessica's commemoration. Do you think that some of what we're struggling with, with wanting people to just make the call or, you know, particularly people in authority to make the call? I have a lot of friends that are like, he should just lock everything down. It's just time to lock everything down is because we know logically, emotionally, psychologically that there is whatever the lockdown rules are right now. There is the uncertainty that we do not know when this will be over. And so people place a lot of emphasis and emotional value on decisions that can be made because there's so much uncertainty otherwise. I think that's probably true. It would mean a lot to me. And I don't even I can't even explain why to have school close. I understand the flip side of that. You know, my husband has talked about how he thinks that the governor is doing such a good job here in Kentucky of rolling out things little by little because people can Mm -hmm. only process so much. And it allows people to process the next thing without having to get overwhelmed by all of it. And I totally respect that, even though it does not work well for me. (laughs) I don't want to go into complete lockdown mode. I actually respect that the State Department allowed Jessica and her colleagues to make these decisions. I think there's something important about exactly what you said, that we choose every day to follow the guidelines and that it remains a choice for us. I know that There is privilege wrapped up in that statement for me and that there are probably people who um, completely disagree with it for reasons that I haven't lived. And so I want to be open to those perspectives. I, I don't want to live in anything approaching a police state because I believe that that would bring a lot of um, danger in addition to the danger that we face now. And so I get people finding comfort in authority figures stepping up in really harsh terms and saying, here's what we're going to do. I also fear the enforcement that would come with that. So it's I mean, it's hard. I mean, this is another circumstance where I think maybe a correct decision is just not available. The school closing doesn't bother me because I just we're not going back to school. To me, it's I don't need an official announcement. I know what's going to happen. And if it doesn't, great, pleasant surprise. I think what's so brilliant about the the rollout is not just adjusting people, but it's like it's bit by bit getting buy-in from everyone. So it's like, well, we're going to do this. And so you have the rule followers in the crowd that are like, okay. And then they do it, and then other people don't, and then they get mad. And so they're like, well, you're going to have to ratchet it up because other people aren't following the rules. Instead of being like, well, we're going to do this where everybody, even the rule followers, is like, why are we doing so much? You know, like this sort of stair-step approach. You get buy-in, you get the rule breakers, you get the social pressure on the rule breakers, and the justification for heightening the rules a little bit. I think the way they've sort of done this stair-step approach has been really, really, really smart. And he's always, you know, so our governor in particular, like the dad language of like, don't make me do this if you can't, if (laughs) you can't act right, I'm going to have to do this. Don't make me do this. Yeah, I think it's been really good. And he's very open about wanting that social pressure to work in positive Mm -hmm. ways as well as negative ones. I think that's something really unique about Kentucky through all of this. I was talking to my therapist about it on a telehealth call. And he said, you guys are sheltered in place in Kentucky, too, aren't you? Because he's in Ohio. And I said, well, we don't call it that. 
And he was and he kind of rolled his eyes like, what, you've made a branding decision there? And I said, actually, I think it's a lot deeper than a branding decision to talk about healthy at home versus shelter in place, because we spend a lot of time in this state right now talking about the wonderful things people are doing, all the things that you can do that are available to you. And it puts you in a different mentality than when you are kind of coming at it from the more here's what we've taken away from you space. And um, and he agreed with me after we talked about it for a while. It was kind of a funny conversation. But I, I really do like that emphasis on how what is being asked of us is not every sacrifice on earth. It's a lot and it is mm-hmm. hard. And also there are still things that are good and beautiful and open to us. And I think as hard as decisions are around all of this, having some of those decisions left to us is good as well. And it's definitely good to commemorate them and to to rest in that first phase of completion. I think just to give yourself a moment like Jessica did to say, okay, well, this part, I now know what we're going to do moving forward. I don't know a lot about what it means to shelter in place in Mexico. I don't know how long I'll be sheltering in place in Mexico, but I know that I've made that decision. And to give yourself a moment, whatever the decision you're facing or that you have already faced, to sort of celebrate that and to rest in that decision is very, very wise. So good for you, Jessica. And just a quick shout out to Jessica and all of our diplomats all over the world who are making these hard decisions and who do really difficult work, sometimes with wholly inadequate leadership and support every single day. We truly appreciate you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We received an anonymous advice question that we're going to tackle about how a long-term friend of our listener has entered into a new relationship. This relationship has been going on approximately a year. It is a romantic relationship. Things have gone pretty quickly because both people have said, when you know, you know, and that they're both in their 40s and they don't want to wait to start their lives together. And our listener says that while respecting those decisions, a group of friends of The person in the relationship has concerns. They see some signs of isolation. The friend isn't coming to events that she used to love and look forward to. She's really pulled away. And her partner has sent at least two unfounded, verbally abusive messages via social media to mutual friends, as well as has berating a a relative of the friend. And he admits that he's doing those things, but he says it's because he can't stay quiet when he sees someone hurting her. She's been lonely for several years and has always wanted to find the person who will stand up for her. So we are being asked what suggestions we have for navigating this difficult conversation. I'm guessing I am going to have a different approach than you because you're you're much more graceful and gentle than people with people that I tend to be. I actually have first hand experience with this. My beloved roommate in college, boyfriend at the time. I just I hated him. I'm just gonna be real honest with it. I thought he was not good enough for her. He cheated on her. He was the worst. 
And I did not hide that fact. And I was very, very open about the fact that I did not think she should be with him, that I did not think he was good for her. And to the point where it it caused a lot of conflict in our relationship, she was supposed to be my maid of honor my wedding. And she decided because I could not stand up for her relationship, she could not stand up for mine. It was very dramatic. I'm happy to report from the other side that eventually she was like, yeah, that was not about you. That was about me. I'm so sorry. I was in her wedding. We are still very, very good friends. And she broke up with him. And the thing, what I always think about is she didn't break up with him because I told her to or I thought she, you know, I was like exerting all this pressure. But I think what happened is, you know, she tells this really funny story that when she eventually decided to break up with him, it was like something so small. Like she wanted him to dance with her in the living room and he wouldn't. And she was like, I'm out. After years of all this other stuff. So I think, you know, my theory is what happened is we, me and the other friends who were like, he sucks, you should not be with him. We sort of laid this foundation. And so when it clicked for her, she didn't have to hesitate. She knew like there was plenty building up so that when it finally got to the level of I'm starting to see this myself. There was this like firm foundation of friendship saying, yeah, you're right. What you're you're not crazy. He you know, even though he tells you he loves you and even though, you know, he says he's sticking up for you the first time your brain is like, wait, 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 wait. You have all these other voices, this choir in your head of people you love and trust going, yeah, no, this doesn't work. And I don't think it's the the time you say it. And I think it can really strain a friendship. And I, you know, I think it's important to be honest about that. But. I always said, you know, I'm not going to be the one at the divorce proceeding or worse saying, man, I really wish I'd said something like I think when you say it and you can sort of give them that that backup. So when they start to see it for themselves, they know that they have friends who will support them and agree with them and can kind of lend some validity to the first revelation they have that something's wrong. So I also have experience with this, but mine is also from college. And I recognize that how I spoke to another almost 20-year-old might be different than how I spoke now at Mm -hmm. almost 40 to another almost 40-year-old. And so I don't know, you know, today exactly how I would handle it. But what I did then and probably what I would still do today is, is say to my friend, you know this is not okay, don't you? And that friend and I have spoken since many, many years later, and she has said, It made a huge difference in my life that you said this is not normal. I didn't realize it was not normal. Mm -hmm. And so I would never take for granted that someone sees what you see. And I do think it is critically important to say what you see and to say things like this is not what I want for you. I think you deserve Mm -hmm, better mm -hmm. than this. I think that if this guy is lashing out at people in your life right now, It scares me what he might do with you behind closed doors, and that might not feel like a risk to you today, but the existence of that risk at all breaks my heart and isn't what I want for you. And I think I would, in that sort of intervention conversation, and, and, you know, I wouldn't try to ratchet up the drama around that as much as I would just plainly say to my friend, here's what I see and here's what I'm worried about. Here's what scares me. I think I would say, you know, I care about you and I love you. And if you choose to stay in this relationship, I am asking you from the bottom of my heart to please see a professional as you are navigating it. Please get in touch with a therapist today before you think you need one. 
please consider couples counseling today before you think you need it. Because I see some red flags here and I want you to be 100% safe and supported as you navigate this. And maybe I'm completely wrong, but there is no harm done if you start seeing a therapist if I turn out to be completely wrong. So would you please Mm -hmm. consider doing that for me? Yeah, I think that's great. I think just sharing your sincere concerns with love, understanding that there's not going to be a dramatic result of that one conversation but that it could it will have an impact. I think that's just important to remember. It will have an impact. And I think the other thing that I just want to share about this, especially because I know that many of you have people in your lives who are being treated in ways that they ought not be treated in relationships. I think there's a difference between feeling a sense of responsibility to someone versus a sense of responsibility for someone. If you have a 40-year-old friend who makes this call, I do think you have a responsibility to speak up about it. And also, you are not responsible for what that person then chooses to do. And if you let yourself get into that, I feel responsible for you place where you are taking really dramatic actions, where you are angry and bitter if the person doesn't listen to you, where you're, you know, driving to the house in the middle of the night or calling the police or whatnot when you truly don't know what's going on and there isn't a clear and present danger, there's one in your mind. I think that's when you get into a place that's really unhealthy for everybody. So I would just think about I'm responsible to you for saying what I see. If you know there is violence happening, that's a different level of responsibility. But people also do have to make their own choices. And that is really, really hard. We will be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There are things we each look back on and think, how did I get it so wrong? It might be wearing multiple polo shirts and popping all the collars, donating to Coney 2012, or dating that one person that one time. You know the one. We're always going to get things wrong. That's just life. But there are also things we can get right on the first try, like shopping for life insurance. That's where Policy Genius comes in. Policy Genius makes finding the right life insurance a breeze. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. You could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape for free. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They can also help you find the right home and auto insurance or disability insurance. So even if you look back on your triple denim days in distress, you'll never be distressed about life insurance with Policy Genius. In just a few minutes, you can find your best price and apply at policygenius.com. We all get things wrong from time to time. At least we can get life insurance right with Policy Genius. We have two very fun, sweet commemorations to end the show today. First, Jamie wrote us about her sweet, friendly 11-year-old, Lex. 
He's always been a friend to everyone, but he struggled in school after he was diagnosed with ADHD. Jamie made the decision to begin medication, and she saw a dramatic increase in test scores and ability to focus, and she wanted to commemorate a moment that really illustrated all the growth Lex has experienced. She says, The other evening while I was getting things ready for our bedtime routine, Lex was finishing up a Fortnite game with friends. He paused to run to the restroom, and when he went back, he said, Well, I'm actually done because I want to shower and get in bed to read. Let me tell you, it brings me to tears just thinking about it. I cannot tell you the overwhelming joy and pride I felt in that moment. Here's my sweet boy that never wanted to read and would never read in school, ending a game with friends so he can read his book. So after his shower, he got his book, hopped in bed, and proceeded to read to me from his Harry Potter book. I wanted to cry tears of joy the entire time he was reading. Truly music to my ears. As the mother of a child with ADHD, I understand what a big deal this is to willingly step away and change focus and to realize that reading can be rewarding. It's it really is. It's such it's such a sweet moment. I'm so, so happy for Jamie and Lex. And there are so many parents who struggle with that decision of how do we deal with this? Do we medicate? Do we not medicate? And for Jamie to have this affirmation of the decision that she helped guide her son through is so wonderful. So terrific news. We also heard from Jenny, who is commemorating, I love this. She's commemorating so her four and a half year old eating chicken hassle free and in plain sight. She said, I know kids can be picky eaters and Claire was always picky about meats. I decided long ago that I would not make a separate meal just for kids. I'm a working mom. And not only do I not have time for that, I also want to instill an expectation that kids eat the same things as everyone else. Eventually, ham, steak, hamburgers and turkey burgers were on regular rotation in our house. Do you know how much ham steak I've had in the last few years? Sure, it's quick, but it's not particularly yummy. And if you get the wrong brand, it can be so salty. As with most, most moms of picky eaters, I tried hiding chicken and rice, putting it in breadcrumbs to make little nuggets. Nothing worked. And I eventually just gave into the notion that perhaps she'd come around eventually. But I didn't need to overly exert myself to try to make it happen. I'd still put it on her plate, but would sit there night after night with mom guilt, knowing she wasn't going to eat it and would maybe fill up on other stuff. Side note on mom guilt. I just don't have mom guilt in a whole lot of areas. I find it a waste of my mental energy and very much subscribe to the notion that everyone is different. Something works for you. Great. Do it. If it doesn't, don't. There's no need to feel guilty about anything. And there's no need to sacrifice my sanity or happiness just so my kids can have someone else's version of the perfect childhood. But this is one area where the mom guilt was real and I could not shake it. So Jenny made some chicken two weeks ago, puts it on the plate. The child eats it with no hassle fully understanding that it was chicken and says, this is my favorite. You're the best mommy. And we are all, let us all rejoice. Oh my gosh. I just, she, she's really sweet. She's like, oh, thank you for um, having a place to commemorate small things. Excuse me. Excuse me. This not is a small huge. thing. That's right. This is not a small thing. This is, I just feel very strongly about this. I'm going to try not to get too big of a soapbox, but like, this is what they tell you to do. Jenny is testifying to the truth that, like, you just got to keep putting it on the plate. It just, And I also just think this is so good because it's just a reflection of so much in parenting. Like, you just got to suffer through the short term for the long term payoff. You got to do stuff that makes you feel guilty that you're like, are you sure this is going to work? And then you're like, a revelation. My four and a half year old eats chicken and I don't have to be as much ham steak. I just, I think this is, it is just the stinking Best. I'm sorry. It is. It's the best. Listen, as the mother of a four and a half, four and a half year old who will eat nothing at dinner, Ellen like front loads her day. Okay, she's doing intermittent fasting without calling it that. She <laughs> will not eat dinner, 
And it is so frustrating. And I just keep making dinner and I put it on her plate. Yep, you just got to do it. And mm-hmm. you just keep mm-hmm. showing up. And eventually she's going to like the dinner. Yep. And then she's going to realize, like, dinner is good. Jane now will eat practically everything. And we'll talk about how yep. delicious it is. It is so rewarding for me every time Jane says, ooh, I loved that. Ellen will mm-hmm, get there. Mm-hmm. She is not there today. But I'm telling you, if she just launched into some chicken and told me how good it was, Jenny, I'd be doing black backflips around my kitchen. It would make me so happy. So I am thrilled for you. You did it. Congratulations. I just, listen, I cannot tell you how much stress we have experienced over the decade of parenting and three children at the dinner table. We eat a lot of family dinners together. We also do not make kid food. Um, It's just you're eating what we're eating. And my husband makes what he wants to eat. It's a lot of Indian food. It's a lot of spicy food. Like our, our palate did not change at all when we started feeding children. So like so much, so many fights, so much bribery, so much negotiating three bites, no five bites, no three two bites, bites, five bites. How many bites? How many bites so I can get a cookie? How many bites so I can have dessert? Like just constant. But can I tell you now in the middle of this quarantine how grateful I am that my children eat anything it is hard to express. Now, I have some other theories. One, we do not drink juice in this house because that is a filler and I need you hungry. I need you motivated. I need you hungry. Um, so we just drink water. We don't even really drink milk in our house also because kids are messy and they spill it. So they spill water. It's just a little additional cleanup. We're not big snack people like fruit, something that's like I really think the key too is like they got to be hungry. They got to sit down and be hungry. If they're not hungry, man, mm-mm, they're stubborn. They're like they're like you know, loaded up soldiers if they've had some snack, lots of snack foods and juices and stuff. Got to really, you got to really lean into the deprivation <laughs> prior to the meal is what I'm saying. But like, you know, it was so stressful. It's still, and I'm going to be lying if I said we weren't, it still wasn't stressful. But for the most part, my five-year-old, my eight-year-old and my 10-year-old eat everything. And that's so helpful. It's helpful when we travel, if we ever get to travel again. <laughs> it's helpful when We're at home right now and we're making a lot of food and it would be so much harder if I was having to worry about are they eating, blah, 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 blah. And the only actually, I will say this. The only time it's not helpful is at the sushi restaurant. You think it's so fun to be the cool mom whose kids eat sushi. That's not fun. That's just expensive. So if your kids don't like sushi, don't try to get them to like sushi because that's just an expensive. (laughs) That's just an expensive parenting lesson. That's my only that's my only negative about not having picky eaters. But, you know, I I think it, it is. It's just it's just the. What feels like a Sisyphean task every night, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh look, everybody eats! But everybody's eating. It's amazing." It's helpful for me too to think about dinner as something other than just eating. So, like, how can mm-hmm. I have a nice dinner even if she won't eat? How right. can we enjoy each other's company? How can we talk about our days? How can we talk about what we're looking forward to tomorrow, even if she doesn't eat? Because what I don't want to do in the pursuit of eating is instill the stupid attitudes about food that you're going to have to unlearn later. Like, you must eat every bite of food on your plate, right? Right, right, The things that that later become unhealthy. So if you can just kind of find that dance of, I've put it here, I wish for you to eat it. If you do not, that is your choice, but you will not snack later. And still tell me about your day. You know, when I can find that zen, it's a good evening. I don't find that every day. 
But when I do, it's nice. But I'm so happy that Jenny did not have to find the Zen and was just able to celebrate the chicken eating. And I hope that extends to an entire world of delicious food outside of ham steak. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Nuanced Life. We will be back in your ears on Friday over at Paint Soup Politics. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener supported. Go to patreon.com slash the nuance life. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuance Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad music. For more information about The Nuance Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.